BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live sports for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to receive the rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Welcome to Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Bet Online. I am Warren Shaw. He is the great Gary Washburn, and we are your hosts and resources for everything Boston Celtics this season. Gary, it's been a minute, but good to be back in the booth with you. How you been, family? Very good, very good, Warren. How's it going? Obviously, a lot going on uh, in the sports world and NBA. So always something to talk about. Uh, you know, we can we can we can talk. You know, uh, we can get our Shannon Sharp on. Uh, <laughs> Just when you thought the NBA <laughs> went was, zero days without yeah. <laughs> just thought when you uh, just thought when you thought the NBA wasn't fun to cover, boy, you just get Friday night in LA. So uh it's always something with the league. So yeah, look, definitely looking forward to a good conversation. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that Shannon Sharp thing was hella interesting. I went to bed, so I woke up to it and I was like, <laughs> what what happened? So all the memes, all the conversation, all the you know, the ish talking, it's yeah, man, the league is so, 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 so fun to cover. Um, but we'll get into some more Boston Celtics conversation here specifically. As always, we got to do our plugs. Um, you know, make sure you give our show a five-star rating on, on on any or all of your podcast platforms. Follow on follow us on Twitter at G Washburn Globe. Follow me on Twitter at Shaw Sports NBA. Follow the Believe Networks as well, too. So first order of business, Celtics continue to rock it out, man. Nine-game win streak here as we record. Big four-game week. Coming up here to um, with Orlando, trying to get some revenge against those uh, against that team, um, the Miami Heat, the New York Knicks, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Orlando might get Jonathan Isaac back. Obviously, won't be too impactful in terms of his minutes, but the Lakers could get AD back at the end of the week. Uh, but over the weekend, Marcus Smart tweaks his ankle. Uh, just quickly, Gary, any news on, on on Marcus? Anything for the Celtics fans to worry about, or is this going to be a minor situation? Yeah, well, Marcus, I don't think it's very serious. Obviously, he's a durable guy who's been, you know, had a lot of injuries over the years, but terms, but always is able pretty much to bounce back from those. So it sounded like it was just a, a rolled ankle, x-rays negative now. Will they give him to be cautious a couple of days off? You know, I think so. When you have now a five, four, four and a half, five-game lead, on your next competitor in the Eastern Conference, you might want to start giving guys a little bit of a break as they did, uh, as you saw, Warren, with Jason Tatum with the wrist injury. But obviously, um, he had played 48 minutes, seven seconds, <laughs> and then went over Golden State. He needed a break. So I think, you know, they've got enough depth. Obviously, with the way Pritchard, Pritchard, Payton Pritchard's playing the weekend, quite honestly, talk about that because I thought that was a, a highlight of the game in Toronto, give uh, Marcus a break for a couple of days, maybe, and maybe try to bring him back on Thursday or maybe toward the weekend. But um, it looked like just a rolled ankle. You you, you hope if you're a Celtic fan, it's not one of those high ankle sprains or one of those things that's going to keep him out two, three weeks. Um, you know, but he seems to be, a, he's a, we all, Marcus is a durable guy. 
Uh, he's always, but he's always getting nicks and knacks from his physical play. Uh, so I don't think it's anything serious. I think he'll be back in a couple of games. Well, that's great news for Celtics fans for sure. Um, again, the depth is something that this team continues to hang its hat on. So let's kind of dive into the Pritchard situation, not only from the Toronto aspect, but for this four game week ahead, you know, against the opponents we just mentioned and alluded to, you know, this is kind of dual fold. Um, we've spoke about Pritchard as a potential trade target. I believe that was even on our, on our last show. So do you think this is an opportunity for Pritchard to earn minutes really? Or is it an opportunity for him to showcase his minutes and showcase his ability to another team? Um, or, or again, he's just too valuable in case of an injury situation like this. Kind of what are your thoughts on Pritchard going ahead and maybe even recapping a little bit of what he did in Toronto? Yeah, I thought he was very good in Toronto. He hit some big shots, uh, four three-pointers in the fourth quarter when they were obviously down, Marcus. And we didn't talk about Robert Williams being out with his kind of tweaked knee, Jalen kind of backing into his knee and, I think they see anything that's wrong with Robert's knee. Let's pull him and let's get him some, you know, some ice and, and take some maybe a day or two off because uh, obviously they don't want to jeopardize him for the postseason. So uh, I thought Peyton Pritchard stepped up real big. You know, that's the thing. You know, when you have all this depth and you sign Brogdon, uh, as we talked about before, he becomes not expendable, but he's not seen the playing time. That he did his rookie year. Rookie year, Brad really liked him. He got into a lot of games. He was able to to kind of make a good impression. But then when Ime Udoka took over, his minutes suffered, and it's it's been kind of the same this year. Uh, but he's an asset that they I think they need to play more of. I think they need we need to see more of Peyton Pritchard on the, on the floor because he makes plays not only three pointers, steals. I always compare him to kind of a T.J. McDonald at Indiana where that guy is just a damn pest on the floor or Jose Alvarado, you know, in New Orleans, just a pest. And, and, and you, a good team needs those type of guys. Those guys you can't you can't turn your head, you can't sleep on, they're going to try to steal the ball, they're going to try to make a play. Um, Peyton's not afraid to play against bigger players. Obviously growing up, being six feet, six one. In a, in, a, in a game of filled with giants, he's all he's learned how to get his shot off. He's learned how to play against bigger players. So uh, I think they should hold on to him throughout the trade deadline. And as we talked about Warren. I mean, this is the year if you're gonna if, you're, if we're looking at the, the the NBA right now. You know, if if you're looking at the teams like the Celtics are starting to create some distance now, they could get caught very easily. Yeah. But Philadelphia is the only team that's kind of keeping up with them because Philadelphia had 5-0 West Coast road trip, good win uh, Saturday night against the Sacramento Kings out in beat. I don't know what that says about Sacramento when you lose to Philly without Embiid and without Harden, but they did. Uh, they <laughs> The Kangs will be Kangin. But, um, you know, I think that the Celtics have, now have a little bit of a luxury to try to prepare – you know, a little bit forward as opposed to trying to grind out and win every game. But I think you hold on to, to Peyton. You worry about next year, next year. You worry about his rookie extension this summer. Same with Grant Williams. Like, you try to make, um, you know, the, you try to win the championship this year. He's going to help you do that, right? And I think especially, as we talked about, Warren, Sam Howes is really, really tailed off. And I think yeah. that – I think everybody was kind of like, wow, this is the guy they've been looking for. The the guy who come off the bench and just drain some threes. The uh, the Duncan Robinson of their team when Duncan was doing well, you know, 
and it, and that just hasn't happened over the last you know month and a half now. Hauser's kind of been in a slump. Um, so why not give us mate the minutes to Peyton because Peyton can be active on defense. I think with a guy like Sam Hauser, if you're not gonna if he's not gonna hit threes, it's hard to have him on the floor. You know because he's not gonna stop anybody defensively. He'll try. It's not from lack of effort. It's just he's not a great defender. Where Peyton, I think, can do play a little bit better on both sides of the ball. I think Missoula sees that. So I think with the kind of the drop off of Sam Hauser and and injuries, um, Peyton Pritchard's taking advantage, and you know he should take advantage. And I think the Celtics need to hold on to him. Yeah, I think those are great points, Gary. You know, again, obviously we talked about Pritchard a lot in the previous shows we already discussed. And I think, you know, as you look into this four-game week here, um, great opportunity for him to continue to maybe earn minutes long-term, especially if Hauser continues to struggle, et cetera, et cetera. And just find a way, you know, to make that work, especially with the Celtics' ability to switch defensively. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a major liability, but you're not going to want him out there, you know, like 40 minutes a night. We understand that too. But definitely yeah. spot minutes, rotation, definitely is a guy who can be pesky, shoot the three ball, you know, at a, at a high clip. And really give you know give you a a positive boost off that very very actually nice bench that I think the Celtics have been able to formulate this year. Let's talk a little bit about you know not just necessarily Pritchard but even kind of again this four game week specifically. So Orlando first game in Orlando, tough game um, early in the year that they were able to eke out basically just how I really just outscored them. And I know that's obviously the name of the game in the NBA, but it was just the offense that took over. Um, I think probably something we'll get into a little bit later on here is, but I, I think they had some two embarrassing losses, maybe not so embarrassing, but tough losses, you know, at home in that, in that home and home or back to back, whatever those mini series situation is, you know, I guess just about a month or so ago against Orlando when they were really hot. Um, then Miami, uh, Miami also last time Boston Celtics played, you know, one, uh, I believe that was an overtime game. Um, and you know, I live in the Miami area, so they were very excited about that. And, you know, they're in the heat Instagram talking all kinds of stuff as well too, you know, after that game, um, the Knicks have been playing great basketball. And then again, you get the Lakers, one of the more crazier games that Celtics have played again this season. Um, the Lakers get AD back, presumably back at that, uh, again, big four game week, lots of storylines, lots of drama, lots of things connected to kind of like some lore and history with with boston and these four teams i guess it's rivalry week <laughs> also yeah. i think in the nba is how, how they've they've kind of launched it. orlando doesn't fit into that mold but again i think just how things have gone this year um what are your thoughts on this week up, up ahead like what are you expecting to see um is there any type of you know wanting to get back against orlando or that's just over that, those two games like they've they've not even thinking about that anymore um you know just give me your thoughts on this week ahead yeah, Warren, I think the Orlando game some important game for them. I mean, you know, you, you want to make a statement. They they, they beat you twice um, in Boston. I thought the first net matchup, the Celtics played poorly. Uh, and the third, the second matchup, you know, a lot of things, a lot the Celtics played better. They played better defense, but they just couldn't get it by a break. And, and that, as we saw that game, Paolo Benchero hit six threes. Uh, Admiral Schofield hit three threes in a nine-minute stretch where he had 13 uh, <laughs> three-pointers the entire season before that game. Like, just some real wacky things happening. And, um, you know, unable to get an offensive rebound uh, – sorry, defensive rebound where Markel Fultz kind of grabs a, a key rebound. Um, and then they called that strange, wacky end of the game play where I think, you know, there was somebody uh, – Jalen fell down and and – Grant had to launch like a, you know, it was just 
that was like poor execution down the stretch, but I thought they played better in that game. But they have trouble with Orlando slides. Orlando's a big, big team. One of the biggest, probably the biggest team in the NBA, the, the Wagner brothers. You know, then you've got Banchero, who's a legit 6'10. Then you've got Mo Bamba. Then you got Bull Bull. And then you got now Jonathan Isaac. We don't know how many minutes he'll play, but obviously I think he's, uh, you know, going to finally make his debut after. I mean, I remember literally being in the bubble, Warren, when he got hurt, like August 2020. I mean, uh, the bubble was a minute ago. I mean, mean, as much as the pandemic was still, you know, so we're, we're, we're still feeling the effects of the pandemic. It's, It's still here, but that was literally two and a half years ago. So, I mean, I don't know how much what they can expect, but that makes them even bigger because they're just a they're a big team. But it sounds like struggle with big teams. We we've seen it. The Chicago Bulls, yep. uh, you know, teams like that. You know, uh, they struggle. They struggle with those big guys. So uh, that's going to be a challenge. And Tatum will be back after a couple of days rest. So we'll see. You know, he didn't play. You know, he admitted he went to his son's fifth birthday party. Uh, you know, and missed the game uh, that they lost the second game. So. Um, I think they have a point to prove. And then Miami, tough back-to-back. Um, I think the Heat are a team that's looking, you know, they feel like they can beat the Celtics. They're trying to get on, on track, but they keep, I mean, they just have had a myriad of injuries. And as we know, and you down there, Warren, like if you have a hangnail, the, the Heat are going to keep you out. Like the Heat <laughs> do not play guys hurt. Like just they just don't. Like if it's Lowry, Butler, whoever it is, it's like they're some – you can either, you know, it's one thing to have a, a lot of injuries. The one thing that a lot of little knickknacks, a lot of teams have knickknacks, but those guys play the Heat for whatever reason keep a lot of guys out. And you know, I, I think their their mentality is: listen, you know, let's just get the fifth or sixth seed. You know, we'll be that sleeper team. Let's just make sure we're healthy by April fifteenth uh, yep. when the playoffs start. Then we can make a run, and then we can we feel like we can win on the road, especially with with Jimmy buckets. You know that dude's a that dude's a game. So I think it's a tough game. They're going to be looking forward to beating the Celtics at home. Another national TV game. The Celtics, you know, there's a rivalry there, and then the Knicks. They haven't seen the Knicks for a while. You know, a month or so ago. Yep. The Knicks play very good defense, but they're a little bit erratic and inconsistent. You know, they're not a good home team, but a better road team. So we'll see. And then the Lakers. You don't ever take the Lakers lightly with that big number six there. You know, you don't do that. And, you know, they got guys coming back. Dennis Schroeder coming back with probably a little bit of a point to make about why why they kind of, you know, shipped them off. And quite honestly, Warren, as you know, I mean, when they shipped them off last year, that's kind of when they took off. That's when, you know, they picked picked everything up uh, in terms of their play. So uh, interesting week. You know, uh, you say a rivalry week. And you know, and if for the for the for the Celtic fans, the Celtics Magic used to be kind of a rival. Remember in the late two thousands when it was yeah you know, they met in the playoffs a couple of times, and then they yeah. met in the Eastern Conference Finals in two thousand ten. So in the Dwight days, it used to be kind of a rival. They, I was I remember being in Orlando for a Christmas Day game. So they they they, met, they matched those two teams on Christmas. I want to say in two thousand ten. Um, being being in in Disney for that game, so. Uh, you know, I think it's an important week for the Celtics. They they appear to be motivated, and I was really encouraged, you know, by the win against Toronto. I just thought Toronto. I mean, now there was no Van Vliet, okay, and and now that's a big factor. There was no Tatum, and then no Smart, and no Williams, 
And I just thought the Celtics were the, the tougher team. I'm a little, and I don't know what you think about the Raptors. I've always, you know, the Raptors have always been a, 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 a thorn in the Celtics side. Yeah. They've always given them, ever since the days of DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, just, they've always gotten the best. But it just seems like they just don't quite have it this year. And it's just like them letting go of the rope. And that, that game on Saturday I thought was interesting. That, you know, it was just it was just kind of like, you know, something isn't right up there. And and they got because you look at you look at that team, Warren, you know, you got you know, you know, OG Ananobi who did who was injured, but I, I really I've always liked OG Ananobi. Hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> Siakam, Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr. You got talent on that club. I mean. You know, and they just kind of let go of the rope against, you know, guys like Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard. So if you're the Celtics, I thought that was an impressive one of the more impressive wins of the year, given the circumstances. Yeah, I'll agree with you there as well, too. And I think with Toronto, you don't know exactly where they're going. Um, you know, Ujiri is obviously one of the better GMs or is touted as one of the better GMs. And if they're going to sell off some parts, unfortunately, I don't think it will be to the Boston Celtics because yeah. you're not going to do anything within the division in a conference for sure. So um, I think if Boston is looking for help in any capacity, they'll have to look west. And so as we kind of wrap up here, this first segment of the Celtics talking about that four game week, you know, guys coming back for, for very old teams, but looking west, there was a story or that came out earlier part of last week with Yaka Pirtle, um being uh, of the eye and desire potentially of Boston. I wouldn't say desire, but to kick in the tires, right? Um, which kind of goes against our premise because we've been talking about more of kind of a stretch four. Pirtle does not meet any of those requirements. While he is a nice rim protector, um, good rebounder, I just don't know how he'd fit into Boston's current scheme. Race coming off the bench behind, you know, Horford and Williams, well, obviously when it went healthy, um, a, a great insurance policy to have, but I don't think he's looking to go anywhere to be anybody's insurance policy. So um, let's talk briefly about, about, about the Jakob situation or maybe the lack thereof, you know, and maybe what else might be out there for Boston. Yeah, Warren, I mean, I think Pirtle's a, like probably, I mean, if you're looking, if you're at the, uh, you know, used car lot or whatever, and you're looking at the best used car on the on the lot, what you can get in terms of a guy can help you. Pearl's probably the top of the line in terms of like a guy who will, you know, free agent next year, um, a, a rental guy, a guy that that could really help you in terms of like uh you know, doing the dirty work in the paint, the rebounding, obviously, uh defense, things like that. But the question is minutes. Now, then again. You look at what just happened to Robert Williams, where anything that happens to Robert Williams, and we're like, you know, everybody's everybody's spooked, right? Everybody's just everybody's scatterbrained because you just don't want um if you're a Celtic fan, you know, oh, he's out for six weeks, oh, he's out for too much, oh, he needs another knee procedure, oh, he he retore the ligament, he re you know, he, his meniscus is like you don't want any of that, that that bad news. So the question is, do you need another five? legit five to maybe relieve Robert a little bit and take some load off until the playoffs. And I think Pirtle would be the high end of that, but I also think you can go cheaper and sign a guy off the street. You can sign DeMarcus Cousins if you want, if you if you really want a five, because I think for them, Al's 36, Cornette gives you quality minutes. Cornette is Cornette. He's not a great rim protector. But he does everything he can. He is, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's gotten the best out of his ability. Luke Cornett is one of those guys that, he, you know, he'll when he's finished playing, whenever, he'll just say, hey, tell his grandkids, 
I played the NBA and I got everything out of <laughs> I was not the most skilled guy, but hell, I got everything I did good out of my ability. I think he does. But do you need kind of a tough guy in the paint? Do you need a, a guy to lay some wood, give some hard fouls, get a key rebound, uh, you know, push a guy out the out the post. Don't let don't let guys you know think you probably do because I think honestly, Warren, like is Blake Griffin that guy? I think they, they they've kind of got with Blake, you know, in case of emergency, break glass. Like last night when or Saturday when they needed Blake to get in and get some minutes, they threw him in there. He made a couple of hustle plays. He did, you know, picked up a couple of good fouls. Like did what Blake does, but is that enough? Or do you need someone else who's a probably whose body is a little bit more agile to be able to? Come in there and relieve Robert. And I think that's what they do need for that. That, that what, 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 if I'm the, you know, I think, of course, everybody would love that stretch four, that wing guy who can, who can knock down threes, that, that, you know, guy who can come off the bench. I, I think of like uh, Otto Porter last year for the, for the Warriors, like that guy who can come off the bench, defend six, eight. I think they'd love that guy. That, and those guys are hard to get, yeah. you know. Um, so I think in the Pearl situation, that's a high end. You'd have to give up Gallinari, okay? And that's another factor. Is Gallinari going to come back this year? Like, does he is, – is there a chance? And I think the Celtics are like, listen, like we can hold off to the playoffs. If Gallinari's ready, and he's ready to go by May 10th, the second round, and we, we can hold on to him. If not, you move him. But then are you willing to give up Pritchard? You know, are you willing to give up? someone else who who you value because that's what you're going to have to do to get Pirtle. I don't think that's possible. I think that they try to go a little bit on the below the bargain basement and, and grab a guy or the buyout market, or we don't know who's going to be available February 9th. We don't know who's going to be sellers, what right. teams are going to, you know, but that's the thing about this playing tournament war. We talked about before you know, every team thinks they're in it. I think I think currently I think last I look at the standings there's probably four teams and I think Charlotte Detroit Houston and oh boy it's the, the other one in the west that are like okay they got no shot here like right. uh, they they you know they they got no shot Oklahoma City's got a shot Lakers have a shot like you look at the you look at the standings and it's just like uh, everybody's got a shot so how many sellers are there going to be out there? You know, because I, I called up. Yeah, the Spurs. I'm sorry. The Spurs, Rockets, Hornets, and Pistons are pretty much the only teams. And, and the Magic are kind of on the outside. But, I mean, do they need to get – they, they don't need to get more draft picks. You know, they, they got enough. Um, they got enough young guys. So they're just playing, trying to get better. So if you're the Celtics, uh, it, it's hard to determine what's going to be out there because everybody's trying to contend. Nobody wants to, you know, blow it up at this point. You know, yeah. I mean, so what can happen? Uh, I think it'll be an interesting next couple of weeks before the trade deadline, obviously before you know, February 9th, a little bit before the All-Star game now. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think the Pirtle situation is something to look at. But I don't think unless the Spurs lower their asking price and then the Celtics decide they want to deal like Pritchard, it's a realistic possibility. 
Yeah, I think those are great points, Gary. Once again, you know, it, it is a little um, like luxurious, you know, to kind of go that right after somebody like Jakob. Um, again, obviously, great, great value player, um, but I think probably more than what Boston actually needs and be willing to to pay in essence to kind of bring them on board. Um, there are some probably cheaper players available out there, um, especially when it comes to the trade deadline. I think that point, like you just cannot reiterate enough. You know, as we get closer to the ninth, maybe Chicago is like, yeah, we're 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 not there, Charlotte. Yeah, we know we need to probably really dive into this tanking thing because I don't think Charlotte went into the season thinking they were going to be this bad, uh, but the realization is they are. Um, so yeah. now do they start moving off some pieces here as now as well too to get into the Webanyama sweepstakes for them? And I think a, a ball Webanyama thing would be amazing for them long term. Oh, so they really should yeah. be investigating that scenario sure. heavily. Um, so um, great, great, great conversation here as always. Make sure you're following Gary on on Twitter at G Washburn Globe. Um, getting all the great insight stuff here on on the Boston Celtics. Um, you know rumors, especially as we get towards the trade deadline here with with Boston. So uh, that will do it for our first half. We'll come back here on the other side of this with our Geno time segment to kind of break down the Celtics first half of the season, give out some grades and some expectations, maybe not necessarily awards per se, but just kind of give some accolades for some of the things that have happened in this first half. We'll be right back here on Believe in Celtics brought to you by Bet Online. And on this week's segment of Geno time on Believe in Celtics, we are going to be discussing the first half of the season. Where the Boston Celtics finished the first half as the best team, first team to 30 wins. Um, really realistic chance here at a 60 win season. I think they have to go 25 and 8 here to kind of close things out. Um, and it's possible. <laughs> you know, it's very possible. Don't know how necessary it is, but it is something that I think is possible. So let's just start there, Gary. You know, we we know coming into the year, Boston said, like, they're not taking this regular season lightly. They were going to come out here, kind of balls to the wall. We're going to play hard. We're going to try to hear a show despite all the drama in the offseason. Like, it seems like almost years ago, like, you know, to come comparatively to where we are and how they've been playing is 60 wins. Something you think Boston is trying actively to attain or just, just finish off the season as, as many wins as possible. Yeah. I think as many wins as possible. Number one seed. Um, you know, I don't know if they're good. I don't know if there's going to be, it's going to be one of those years. I don't know if there's going to be a 60 win team in the league this year. 25 and eight is not inconceivable. Um, that's a strong record, but not a, you know, that's not an amazing record i mean they're 30 34 and 12 now so they've done that um and it all you know we'd have to look at the schedule and see you know uh some of the opponents they have left and and, and who you know i know they got still got three three left with philadelphia three left with the knicks two left with with the nets um obviously uh they haven't played the teams like they haven't played the jazz yet um you know they, they got a lot of you know they got they got, um, I think, two more. Or sorry, three more with Milwaukee. Uh, another, another. I think two more with Cleveland. So they they got a challenging uh, schedule, uh, you know, toward the end, obviously. But I think uh, they just want that number one seed. You know, they want home court throughout the playoffs. They want to, you know, they want that game seven at TD Garden potentially. And I think that they're work toward that. And I think their goal of uh, taking the um, regular season seriously and not playing no games has, has come to fruition. I think that, that that's the thing that they have uh, been that team that has got off to the good start. Like they wanted, they didn't want to struggle like they did last year. They've done that. Um, so I think they've accomplished all their goals so far. You know, they've, they've gotten guys involved. They've, they've jumped out to a nice, you know, not comfortable. I don't think four and a half games is comfortable, but um, all the other teams, you know, 
side the six the Sixers have hung in there. You know, they've won five in a row. Uh, but the Bucks are going through their problems. The Nets don't have KD. The Cavaliers are kind of up and down. They lost to the Warriors the other night without Steph, Clay, Draymond. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> like like whoa, what are you like on a back to back? I mean, I you know, and remember the Cavaliers are 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 losing team on the road. They're they're one of the worst of all the playoff teams uh, or teams in the, in the top ten. They're ninth. Uh, their road record is ninth in the NBA. Or sorry, in the in the ten Eastern Eastern team. So Cleveland has not shown they can really consistently win on the road. So everybody's got their got their issues. The Celtics have, have avoided a lot of those issues. They went through their rut in December. Um, they've gotten through it. They they had their bad loss at Oklahoma City. You know they've come back and <laughs> responded with uh, nine straight wins after that. So if I if I'm the the Celtics, I, I'm feeling good about myself. And then also, you you know, do you want to get 60? I think that's a good thing to try to go for 60. But don't wear your team out. Don't wear out Tatum and Brown. Get make sure those guys get some rest. And we'll see what happens toward the end of the season. Will will they need to get you know a, a win or two to claim number one, the number one seed? Uh, is it rest over? You know, as as, as we saw, uh, remember that last game in Memphis where they could have lost and quote-unquote, had an easier road and or whatever, but they ended up winning, getting that number two seed and getting that game seven at home against the Bucks. But they ended up, you know, they could have they could have dropped and maybe Max did the four or five thing, but they played the right way. So I think they'll play the right way. Knowing Joe Mazzula, he's going to push those guys, not to the limit, but he's going to make sure that those guys get the, all of what they can out of out of them and try to win every game. Yeah, I think those are great points again. And, you know, the way Boston should play, um, 60 is not necessarily a magic number. It doesn't indicate that you'll win the NBA championship if you get 60 wins or whatever. So that doesn't necessarily matter. But but as you alluded to, just playing good basketball, being healthy, and staying, again, at the top of the conference if you want to make sure that you have home court, especially if it comes down to game sevens. Um, really quickly on this point here, too, what would you give your with the Celtics in terms of an overall grade? You know, A, A minus, B, B plus. Like, where would you would you rate the Celtics first half? I'd give them like a B plus, A minus. I mean, uh, the only thing is that, that rut, you know, the two losses to Orlando, uh, losing to the Warriors, kind of getting spanked for the part. Like, so that you can't give them an, an, an A because there would there's room for improvement. But I'd say an A minus, B plus. They accomplished what they've wanted. Um, the best team in the league at, right now, best record, obviously, number one seed in the East, all what they wanted, they've been able to accomplish. They didn't want to go through this 20 and 20 start then you know like 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 a lot of teams are doing now the heat and all these teams that are just kind of like stumbling and bumbling a little bit and now got to figure out how to pick it up they don't have to do that you know the Celtics they have good team chemistry the the, the locker room is a good positive locker room the guys like each other and they all that have that one collective goal i think that before the season you know, obviously with the Yudoka situation kind of threw them into a loop a little bit, but they all asked, I think people were wondering, well, how is this team going to respond to losing in the finals? You know, what's going to happen? You know, and, and, and you look and it looks like they've responded. It looks like they, that really that really had an impression on them to watch Golden State celebrate on their floor for, yeah. the, to, for them to think, look and say, you know what? If we had made three, four, five more plays throughout this series, we could be that team celebrating. You know, it wasn't a big, uh, you know, especially that game four, wasn't a big difference in between the two teams. It was depth and experience and all that other good stuff and, and, and Steph Curry. 
But I also think the Celtics looked and said, you know what? We could be that tougher team. We need to get tougher. We need to get more resilient. We need to to make some things happen. And that's what they've done. So I'll give them an A minus. All right. I like it. I like it. And I will, uh, you know, I think I will double down on that. You know, I think it really is an A minus. Uh, as you alluded to, there are some glaring things, if you will, during some of those rougher stretches. And you just don't want to make sure like those don't become habits, if you will, make those big blips in the radar. And, you know, again, not habitual things that like send you down the path. And I think they've righted that ship. They have had a couple of maybe not so amazing losses, if you will. So then I think that's where I'll go to to you for, for you next. First half of the season, what was do you think was the worst loss? You kind of mentioned it. Was it that OKC loss or was there something that was a little bit worse to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Golden State game was was at Golden State was not a good one. But that OKC loss where the Thunder were just really rubbing it in and the Celtics seemed like they kind of gave up in the third quarter was probably the low point. Even though, you know, it's one game and they were able to bounce back, you, you would hope that they would, you know, learn from that experience, learn that they're going to get other teams' best shots. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and you know, and, and is it a is it a situation where, you know, it can't be cliched or whatever. Um, it can't be cliched to say, oh, well, you know, we're getting other everybody's playing their best against us. But yeah, I think it's in many cases this year it's happened. You know, the Clippers played a really good game against them. The Warriors played really. The Warriors last week, Warren, you saw the game. I mean, the Warriors were – that was a good club. That, you know, now, you know, we'll see what happens, how they move forward. They were able to win the next night at Cleveland. So maybe they kind of found something um, that they've been looking for. But the Warriors were played very well um, against the Celtics most of the game. And so they have to learn from that experience. I think they would take, that's what they've done is learn from – that Oklahoma City loss. So I'd say that's a low point in a sense, but it didn't last long. They were able to bounce back. They were able to get that win at Dallas and jump Dallas and beat a team that, you know, yeah. has got, you know, so I, I would say it's a worse loss of the season, but it didn't prolong to a losing streak, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, no, and and I, I think that actually makes a lot of point too. I forgot about the OKC loss and not no SGA and, and, and all that as well too. For me, I'm actually going to pick that loss on the road um, and kind of in that rut against the Clippers. Um, the Golden State one was so just emotionally draining. And I think I was really expecting them to kind of bounce back. I remember us even having the conversation about, you know, Brown and Tatum. Uh, obviously, we thinking them surpassing the, the duo of PG and Kawhi, whatever the case may be. And the Clippers just came out there and and, and handed it to them. You know, and I I was disappointed because I believe there was a day off in between that. Like, yeah, the Golden State game was a Saturday. Then they played them on a Monday or whatever. Um, and I thought they were going to just kind of lick their wounds and like, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? Go out here and, and give them the business. So I did not enjoy that one too much for them as well. But I think that OKC loss for me would obviously be very, very close second. And the Orlando losses, um, you know, that weekend was was pretty tough to kind of endure for Boston. But let's go ahead and move on to something positive. And what do you think is the best win of the season for Boston thus far? Well, that's a good question. Wow, Warren, I mean, that's a good question. I I thought they've done had a lot of those those impressive wins. To me, I thought the win, um, I thought the home win against the Clippers with full Kawhi and Paul George coming back. Um, you know, I thought uh, I'm trying to look at this this roster of wins, a load of wins here, and. You know, the Christmas Day win against Milwaukee where they just 
they, they, they were able to get themselves together and play well. I thought, I'm going to say, Warren, the best win was that uh, game at Dallas, 124-95. Not because, you know, obviously Dallas is a, is a solid team, not a great team, but the response from the Oklahoma City game two nights later gets a better team, national TV, Luka, and those guys, and for them to kind of to, to, to beat them down like they did and for them to not, you know, win by almost 30, I thought was an impressive, probably the most impressive win considering that their pride was on the line for that game. You know, their pride was on the line um, and they came back and they, and they played well. They hit Dallas in the mouth first, but there's a lot of really good wins here. Agreed. You know, the, the second game, winning at Miami in the second game, you know, um, the, the, the three-point win at Memphis, right, uh, early in the season. That, that was an impressive win, a 19-point win against the Nuggets. Um, you know, there's been a lot of games you're just like, wow, this team has really responded well. Um, two, the both of the wins at Brooklyn where, you know, uh, our tri- major rivalry there, you know, could you say the Golden State win? I, I suppose you could say that, considering that they looked like they were, you know, gonna, you know, they were down and they, they came back and and tied it, you know, late in the game and then weathered the storm in overtime. But I'm gonna say that Dallas game most impressive win of the year. All right, you know, again, and that's why we we have the conversation because we're definitely seeing things maybe slightly differently. And, you know, I, I think when you have a win, like you said, like where they dominate, you, know, you even go back to like the Phoenix win before Phoenix kind of like really, you know, kind of shit the bed, so, so to speak, you know, they were just kind of humming, you know, in the midst of that kind of that, that road trip. Um, for me, it is, you know, prisoner of the moment, if you will, that get that win against Golden State. Um, a lot of people might say the Lakers win, but I was like, they, they blew a lead there and yeah. got lucky. So I was like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's nice that they got the W, so to speak, but I don't think that's their most impactful win. I think just for, for my, from my viewpoint, the uh the mental aspect of beating the warriors you know and not allowing them to do because it was early and curry you know hit that half court three and you know he does all his stuff you know what i mean and i would say that curry's not a showboat per se but he knows how to get the crowd going and he does yeah. things intentionally that can kind of get under the opponent's skin if you will because in some ways he's unstoppable right and you know to beat them when both would well, not both clay curry and pool all score over 20 Wiggins was back, you know, Golden State was fully healthy uh, to get that W at home um, and in a hard fought, hard fought game, obviously in overtime as well. Um, I just feel like that was probably the most significant and their best win of, of this first half, just because it yeah. meant so much. Just wouldn't want to have to lose to them again, um, especially after losing to them in, in Golden State previously. So um, we're going to close out here with one final thing and um, just your biggest concern for the second half. And I'll start. Um, my biggest concern is is just health, and I think we talked about it some some weeks ago. I mean, and that's everyone's every team. Hey, you got to be healthy to play. Um, but just Missoula's, you know, mindset in terms of like, hey, these are young guys. We're going to go out here and, and get these minutes. Um, but you don't want to sacrifice things, you know, in in a load management era in the NBA. Missoula is seeming to kind of somewhat buck that trend and say, you know what, go out here and and get it done. Um, I think there was a quote about Tatum, you know, in that Golden State game. I was like, I asked him if he wanted to come out, but I wasn't taking them out anyway. So it's just like yeah. a courtesy ask. Like it's so, so, so strange. So to me, it's just making sure you can stay healthy or making sure that you have some reinforcements here in some capacity. That's my biggest concern for Boston going into the second half. What about you, G? Yeah. My concern is just the fatigue, you know, not even health, but more fatigue. Like 
you know, playing these guys heavy minutes, are they going to have enough for the long run? Um, and because the, the big picture is winning the championship and playing into to mid to late June. And that's six months from now, Warren, as we know. I mean, that's a wow. that's a half a year from now. So, <laughs> you know, as much as things of the season seems like it's long, we're just we're we're a third of the way through the, the journey. If you if, if you're a Celtic fan and you, and you want the team to get to the finals like that's it's six more months. Right. Uh, or five more months, six more, months. Maybe, maybe, maybe five more months. Sorry. Um, yeah. Mid June. Mid, yeah. Sorry. Mid-June. Five more months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're only, we're only at the, the third, third away through maybe not even half. So if you're the Celtics, I worry about Missoula pushing those guys 48 minutes the other night for Tatum 41 coming off an injury for Brent. I think there's scientific reasons why, Players aren't as productive when they play, and you don't want to go Thibodeauian on these uh, players and, and and run them into the ground by the playoffs. So you know they're just they're 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 sucking wind in the first quarter of the of the first playoff game. You know, like you want to ration them out. But so my my thing, my concern is just fatigue. Like, are are they going to just try put so much effort in the regular season? Are they going to be ready and rested for the playoffs? I think that Brad Stevens will come down and tell Joe, okay, guys, okay, Joe, like, this is what we should do. You know, let's yeah. develop a, a rest plan for some of these guys down the stretch. Keep that number one seed, maybe sacrifice a win or two, but let's make sure Tatum and Brown are healthy because Tatum's saying, you know, I got a, you know, bad finger here. I got this in my wrist. It's like, you know, you don't want him to be all beat up because it sounded like, and he said that after the playoffs, because he didn't want to make any excuses, I guess, that he was kind of beat up during the finals, and that's why he wasn't at his best. But, you know, obviously Andrew Wiggins had something to do with that too. So fatigue is my biggest concern. I think everything else, depth is there. Could they could they get another solid player with that roster spot? Yes, they could. But I, I think fatigue is my major concern. All right. Good points again, Gary, you know, and shouts out to Noah Vonley for giving us the roster spot. I think we kind of glazed over that, you know, or we didn't get to record that week, uh, but wishing him well in San Antonio or wherever he ends up winding up. Uh, I think that'll do it here for Believe in Celtics brought to you by Bet Online. Again, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shaw Sports NBA. Follow him on Twitter at G Washburn Globe. Great, great conversation as Boston heads into the second half of the season couple of weeks away here from the trade deadline um and just exciting exciting stuff so we'll definitely catch y'all here in the next week or so here talk about how this four game week kind of played out for boston and that'll do it here for boston celtics here believe online sorry bet online brought to you by better live believe in something my guy g money have a good one brother we'll talk to you soon you too talk to you soon man Peace.